One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon-perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Kat Napsuck for another edition of Star Wars Ranked. The concept is simple. Me, or me and a guest, generally, sit down with a topic related to the Star Wars universe, and we give you five points each to support that topic. It's simple. Get it? Got it? Good. Here we go. Star Wars Ranked Episode 20. 20 of these. Thank you guys for making this happen. It started as an offshoot of Spotlight Star Wars, and me and Mark Riley talked about Rogue One, and it's grown into this fun list. And sometimes the topics come easy. And sometimes I try to get cute and deep cuts, and you'll find those both going forward. But today, Joseph Scrimshaw, I'm bringing it in for something simple. Yeah, nice and direct and powerful, like the Force. Right, right, like it should be. Uh, we, to my surprise, 
had not done this one. Yeah, shocking. I looked it up and I was like, <laughs> no, there's no way we didn't do this one. So today, this is the best Star Wars vehicles. Oh. Now, what is vehicles? Does that include spaceships or is it just things on the ground? To me, correct me if I'm wrong, Joseph, growing up as a kid, vehicles just meant anything not action figures. Yes, anything that was not an action figure or a playset. Right, a place that, yeah, the, the Ewok Village is not going to be included yeah. here. The Death Star is not a vehicle, right. technically. We technically. could have a long, fun debate about that. But, exactly. Yeah. But I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, vehicle. A land speeder, a cloud car, they're all the same. They're, they're the bonus the cool thing you could get to put your figures inside. Oh, right, it was, it was what you saved your allowance for yeah. to get something bigger. So today, we wanted to dive in with the top five Star Wars vehicles. This can be on the screen, in the books, in the comic books. I think mostly, though, will have appeared on the big screen here. Uh, and uh, that, is, uh, that, is, that is where we're at. So I hope you guys like it. This is pretty direct. It's the best Star Wars vehicle. Joseph, we're going to start with your number five. Yeah. So uh, we also wanted to have a caveat that I demanded. Yes. Oh, I demanded yes. a caveat because you know I'm always difficult. No, you're not. I, and I just pulled up my notes <laughs> and you reminded me of it. So now, Ken, this is your show. You rank things. Yes, I, it is. I, I like to come and visit and rank mm -hmm. some stuff. But some of these lists, there's like, like there's so much obvious. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I like to get deep and fun and weird. And I just feel like with vehicles and yeah. ships. Millennium Falcon is right. the best. It is. If you polled people, I think that's the result you would get. Yep. And instead of uh, waiting mm -hmm. and seeing if we would both have Millennium Falcon for number one, <laughs> I thought that we should just declare, of course, it is Star Wars. Yes. It is one of the best ships ever in anything. Right. So that we're just giving it the gold star. Yeah. Is the best vehicle, and it's not going to be in our rankings. I absolutely, I think we hereby induct the Millennium Falcon into the Hall of Fame. It is there. <laughs> it is done. It's got a yellow jacket on watching this episode. It is permanent. Now, some out there might be saying, well, there's some other vehicles we could put in there. You're right. Absolutely. You're right. But I think you're right, Joseph. You just said it. If you were to ask Star Wars fans, general, if you just go to Hollywood Boulevard in front of Man's Chinese Theater, what's your favorite Star Wars spaceship? They would say the Millennium Falcon. It's the Falcon, man. It's the Falcon, man. So much to it. It is a great ship. It has a story unto itself. So the Millennium Falcon is hereby inducted into the Star Wars-ranked Hall of Fame. <laughs> and because of that, we will proceed with our list, starting, Joseph, with your number five. Well, my number five has issues with the Millennium Falcon, and that is Slave One. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Slave One is, uh, I think it is one of those uh, ships, one of those parts of Star Wars that has maybe uh, lost a little bit of it, the luster that it had uh, when we were young. But yeah. uh, when we were young and Boba Fett was still a little bit more mysterious, it mm -hmm. was one of the coolest ships ever. I liked it because it was so weird because it landed in a different orientation yeah, than the it's way it fusing flew. Yeah. Yeah. And like what I was trying to think of like, what is it, what does it even really look like ultimately? And I realized it kind of looks if it's coming straight on like a big elephant face. Mm hmm. Like that front exactly. part is like a little stubby trunk and it's got those cool little ear wings. <laughs> and then it's like an elephant, except for Boba Fett is yep. visibly sitting. <laughs> yeah. Right in between the elephant's eyes. Great view of the cockpit. Great view of the galaxy. Cockpit, but just so weird. Such a weird ship that breaks a, any relationship to Earth ships, really. 
That's a good way of looking at it. You know, and that was what was so weird and cool about it, and what I hope continues in Star Wars, things being just really, really, truly otherworldly. Yeah. Uh, you know, great famous scenes of it landing on Bespin. And then, of course, when we got to see it in uh, the prequels, it had yeah. the amazing seismic charges. Oh, my favorite sound. You yeah, know it. Yeah, that is just an amazing, amazing sound. So that is my number five. Django Fett, Boba Fett, briefly Hondo Onaka's ship, <laughs> Slave One. Yeah, you know what? You, you talked about it. This is where you and I are being uh, the generation of Star Wars fans we are. Um, the, the ones that kind of grew up in the 80s. Uh, we were children when the movies came out, so we had the toys. The The legend of the Slave One grew outside of the films for me. Yeah. And I'm not talking comics and everything. It was the toy. It was one of yeah. the toys you wanted. It was cool. Boba Fett was cool. You didn't know much about it. You said to yourself, now we almost know too much. No fault of anyone's. That's just the way it, it's going with the fandom. Uh, but yeah, that, you're right. It just, it was so different. Yeah. X-Wings, you could look at that's an F-16. Uh, you know. That one was out of the out of this world, and it it matched Boba Fett because Boba Fett's such a nasty, mysterious mm-hmm. sounding name and guy, and then Slave One, and yeah. he's got those Wookie braids that he took from killing Wookies, and what does he even do on Slave One? You know, yeah. it's just so mysterious and cool. Absolutely, that's a great choice. And to this day, I have not owned a Slave One. Oh wow! In almost any form, yeah, and I'm a fan of it too. I, I never did. I, I don't know why. Never got it. I and my my love for Boba Fett has waned over the years. But the Slave One, I almost like more than Boba Fett. <laughs> well, weird. maybe it'll get its own movie. Yeah. Speaking of its own movie, this one at my number five pretty much had its own movie, though it has now since appeared in other canon material, namely Star Wars Rebels. And this is me. I'll admit, Joseph, this is me being like a little bit. I'm going to slip something new in a list of <laughs> old favorites. If, right. you're, if you're a fan of the movie High Fidelity, that's what I'm doing. Um, being being uh, being sneaky. And my number five is the U-Wing. Oh, yeah. Now, I didn't come to this. Uh, I didn't come to this easy. There's a lot of things on here. And you and I are both are going to name some honorable mentions at the end here. Because this is hard. There's just there's just a ton of vehicles. But that's the thing to me. There's a ton of Star Wars vehicles, many of them iconic. And to introduce a new vehicle into the Rebel fleet that made sense, had its own sense of uh, character and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, individuality, it also served a utilitarian purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me, that's the U wing. And what I love, uh, I've talked before about the movie Memphis Bell, one of my favorite war movies, and the and the, the B fifty two bombers, and just there's an interesting history there, and um, the belly gunners and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of that, a lot of World War II stuff connects to George Lucas's Star Wars as well. Yeah. And Rogue One is not his, but you know George Lucas. Reportedly, is said uh, you know that he loved this movie. We always got a sense of yeah, this is there's there's a, a war picture in here yeah. and and uh, Vietnam era type of stuff. And, and Lucas was was speaking against that stuff and speaking about that stuff. So there's a connection there to me. And Bistan, as Jennifer would say, Bistan, <laughs> uh, the Gunner thing. It was something kind of different for uh, original trilogy Star Wars. Uh, gunners appear in other things, and Gunners were you know Millennium Falcon had guns. But for me, the U-Wing was something brand new that felt so old and familiar, and it's quite an accomplishment for me. Yeah, absolutely. It fit the design. It's got the whole, you know, letter wing thing, the U-Wing thing. But also there is something deep about that belly of the beast, which is a theme that mm-hmm. reappears in Star Wars again and again. Mm-hmm. I think even starting with the the trash compactor yeah. going to the space slug of, like, your heroes being sort of 
trapped in something yeah. and they explode out and just that the Ewing had that that feel to it that served narrative purpose, but also like that feeling mm-hmm. of being cramped, yeah. afraid and ready to go. <laughs> and then the fact that the Ewing itself, we, you know, come to learn there aren't that many of them. Right. So they're almost extinct. Even these yeah. old battle horses, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. They're like uh, that, you know, and that that's part of the, to make it fit into the rest of the original trilogy canon, why they aren't there as much. But I love that in rebels, we're seeing them a lot. We're seeing them a lot in season four of rebels because yeah. they know they can play with these ships now. Um, so I love it. It's just got a classic look. It looks like the rebellion old, like you said, on its way out, little beat up the rebellion, Rebellion kind of is a ragtag fleet, and the U-Wing is right at home. That's awesome. That's my number five. On to your number four. My number four is the Katana, which is the official name of Jabba's sail barge. Now, I went, I really thought vehicles, because you could easily go yeah. just, oh, cool ships, cool yep. ships. But vehicles. Yep. Sail barge, you know, I, I'm a comedian, I like comedy, <laughs> and I like Star Wars because it is both, like, truly like the coolest thing ever and also has elements of like humor yeah and just the insane midlife crisis opulence yeah of jabba building the sail barge on tatooine <laughs> it's like great we know the yeah. one time he took it that we you know know from the films is like oh well great i sometimes i dump people yeah. in this giant uh tentacle mouth hole <laughs> in the desert and that's fun and i basically need a space party bus yeah. to murder people. But other, other than that, when he doesn't have someone to murder, does Jabba just get bored and basically say, everything I got in my palace, I'm packing on a yacht. <laughs> and then I'm just going to tool around and see all the sand. Because there's, you're gonna, does he take it into Mos Espa? Oh, yeah. And just like, does he just park it in the <laughs> middle of town and just blare the music like a party bus? Absolutely. <laughs> There's something both cool and absurd about it. And then on top of it all that it's got the like, that's true gangster vibe, almost yeah. like that Scorsese movie of like, we want to show everyone we're rich and we're also always ready to be violent still. So we have yeah. this big gun yeah, ready to go. On it. You know what I you know, if you go to like say New Orleans or Vegas or any kind of party to Nashville, you you, know, you can rent those bikes at like uh, yeah, ten of you can get on. Oh, the pedal pubs. The pedal pubs. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of Jabba's Palace to me. Just <laughs> a bunch bunch of people pub. riding by you, screaming, hooting, hollering. <laughs> there yeah. it goes, Jabba's sail barge. Oh yeah, we have a pedal pub uh, back in Minneapolis where I'm from, and really? people oh people hate that thing. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> the katana, Jabba's uh, pedal pub. Jabba's pedal pub. For and sure. You touched upon, it's so interesting you say that, uh, you touched upon something I have thought many, many times about, mostly in the 80s when I was growing up, of the non, uh, the other times that Jabba used to sail yeah. Like, Where's it going to go? Yeah, this is, a, this is a normal routine, and you got the skiffs going around, uh, kind of protecting them. You know, to me, it was always... I mean, it just was, it's a fascinating ship, and I'm glad you included it, because I always like, what's the protocol for loading up Jabba? Yeah. Like, does he go first? Uh, you does know, what's, is, there, is there a ticket reservation system? Who gets to go on? Because I know you left some people behind. Uh, you know, the Rancor Keeper, I think he was left behind. Uh, yeah, because Keeley didn't yeah, get to go. Yeah, he survives in aftermath and talks about whether they learned of Jabba's death and everything. So... Yeah, I'm fascinated. There's something to that sail barge, and uh, I can I can envision it, uh, you know, pulling into Mos Espa. Yeah, 
Just pulling up to a port. There are definitely some sad trips where he's trying to make the party happen and no one else is feeling <laughs> it. And he's just zipping around Ooh. in his midlife crisis mobile across yeah. the dunes of Tatooine. And it is beautiful and haunting. I love it. I love that. Number four, Jabba's sail barge. The Katana? Yeah. The Katana. Ka- ka- I mean, it's spelled real different than the, the sword Katana. It's yeah. K-H-E-T-A-N-N-A. But katana. that's the way I, I would naturally it. want to pronounce it. I love deep cuts on the cannon side. <laughs> my number four is one that inspired fear into my heart as a young boy, and it's still kind of impressive and intimidating. It is the all-terrain armored transport, the uh, Imperial Walker. You may call them AT-ATs. I will always call them AT-ATs, and I no longer apologize for it. <laughs> but the Imperial Walker, the classic one is seen in Hoth, uh, and seen in Return of the Jedi and featured so many other places now and inspires, of course, um, the ATM-6s that we're about to see in The Last Jedi. And I think there's some more classics, maybe updated, but classic walkers in that as well. Uh, this one, however the legend goes, it was inspired. If it was uh, dinosaurs, dogs, or the docks of uh, the loading docks of San Francisco Bay, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Um, I love this design. It's something uh, that's uh, easy to comprehend in this world, but it's also, imagine seeing that. Imagine being a rebel fighting with your little blaster in your hand or a yeah. little satellite dish gun, and five of these are approaching for the North Ridge. It's always been intimidating. That's why I talk about one of my favorite moments of Star Wars is the rebel officer looking through his uh, binoculars and seeing the foot of the walker and then moving on up. It is inspiring. It's intimidating, uh, an awe-inspiring shot. And there's a reason we're excited for these new walkers, or we were intrigued by the ATACTs in Rogue One. Yeah. They're a staple for a reason in Star Wars. Absolutely. Going back to youth, uh, Slave One and At-At were the, like, true signs of status. Oh. Did you have either a Slave One or an At-At? I did not. Yeah. I did not, and I'll tell you what, there's a shop here in Burbank where I where I live uh, that's got a lot of great classic stuff, and I walked in one day with my girlfriend, she wanted to buy some records and everything, and they have a ton of Star Wars stuff. A lot of, a lot of more power of the Force than you'd realize Ooh. in the mid-90s, but they had a fully working, uh, functional, batteries up, battery-operated, lights ah. flashing, and a Luke figure hanging below it uh, at at for like 200 bucks, and I, I keep thinking in the back of my head. That one's mine. Amazing. I never had one in my youth, but one Christmas, mm-hmm. I got my brother uh, the Rogue Squadron video game for the N64, and he mm-hmm. got me the Power of the Force version of the yes. AT-AT, and I felt complete as a human, <laughs> and I still treasure it. Uh, uh, I owned it many places. I still, it's, it is one of my childhood dreams that still might come true. It, it's, you know, you've got to mentally get over the fact of plunking down a couple hundred for an old toy. Yeah. The G.I. Joe USS Flag uh, aircraft carrier, I'll never own. Okay. I always <laughs> wanted. This one might be coming to me. So that's I my number four. Right. That's a great number four. And I, I think you made a really good point about it. We've learned so much about how great the Empire is with propaganda. Yes. And that is so intimidating to just say, look what we yeah. built. Yeah. It's stomping toward you, and there's nothing you can do. Beautiful. Absolutely. So that's my number four. We move on to your number three. My number three is a tie. Mm. Uh, It is between the Scimitar, which is the name of Darth Maul's Sith infiltrator that first appears in The Phantom Menace, and I paired it as a tie with the Delta Seven Jedi Starfighter that's featured largely in Attack of the Clones. Right. Now, I put these together because as I was trying to decide, I liked them both for the same reasons, really. Okay, that's fair. There's the design of the ships. 
that's like uh, especially in prequel era like phenomenal yep because it just has like such energy like the, the sith infiltrator has that like circular shape that's everywhere design wise in yeah. the phantom menace mm-hmm. yeah yeah you're right you're right and then it has those those bowed wings that are reminiscent of what will become uh vader's mm-hmm. tie fighter and uh but then it's still got that like angle that's from the star destroyer in the front that sharp wedge yeah and the fact that it's an infiltrator but the fact that it was just called the sith infiltrator <laughs> and like oh it's a Sith. Darth yeah. Maul is a Sith. And he has, of course, a Sith ship. <laughs> and then the kind of the, the same joy I found again in Attack of the Clones. Like, well, the Jedi got to get round, got to get yeah. around. They got to fight. They would have signature Jedi starfighters. And I tapped into something deep mm. in childhood. Exactly what we're talking about. Like, yeah. you get the figure and you get the ship. Yeah, yeah. In some figures, like Boba Fett and Slave One or Han Solo and Millennium Falcon, they go together. But the idea of like, oh, it's this, almost this like military class. Right. And different people have their own ship. So the idea of a Jedi mm-hmm. ship and a Sith ship and ah, oh, it's beautiful. And the, just the design of the Delta 7, mm-hmm. that great uh, uh, sharp wedge, it's like really uh, evocative. But they are really uh, uh, fast and graceful like a Jedi starfighter would be. And the other thing that puts them over the top is those hyperdrive rings. Yes, I love those. Which are just not explained in the movie. No. So you can just sit there and you be just, a geek, especially when they first came out and they're like, oh, a small fighter like that wouldn't have its own hyperdrive, oh, so they need, they need a rig. And they're like, oh, God, it's just it's that tip of the iceberg visual storytelling yeah. that George Lucas did so well and I hope continues as the franchise rolls forward. There was a lot of things that, uh, that lingered in my head after the prequels came out where I was like, I hate them, I hate them, I, but I, oh, I like that. That's pretty cool. Ah, that's pretty cool. And it starts big, Darth Maul or the Darth Maul lightsaber fight, Duel of the Fates. That that is where a lot. That's the prequel to Starter Pack. Yeah, um, that's the gateway drug. The gateway drug. But the ships are there, and you you've named two that I love. I I love the Jedi Starfighters because it's got a little bit. Uh, you can see some A wing influence, but also a uh, 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 Tie Fighter. Yeah, it's got that look. Like it's a short little snub fighter, like an A wing with the speed and the agility. But it's got the you know, it looks like someone looked at that and went, hey, you know, if we made it like this, it'd be and. And then same with, yeah, Maul's is fun because, you're yeah, right, it's almost G.I. Joe-like to call something the Sith Infiltrator. It's like the, <laughs> yes. the Cobra Hiss. <laughs> like, huh? Um, so it's got a silly name in a way, but it's a cool name. And then it does, it, it, you, when it first pops up on screen, again, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Palpatine would have seen that. And, hey, yeah, Maul, do you like that? Yeah, well, we're going to make a bunch of them, but shorten them. <laughs> like, I, I like that idea. So I like that a lot of these designs would lead to other designs. And yeah, Both yeah. of these are excellent. And, uh, you know, the Jedi Starfighters, uh, you know, I love them. And, and Sith, I love, you know, there's... Uh, yeah, and this it, is slightly... It's a different model. Different, different model. You're yeah, right. So you're nobody right. yells at me. Uh, you can all yell at me. But yes. Yeah, the different model that moves them closer to TIE Fighters, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. But I really like this... Earlier iteration Early. that's got a little bit more A-Wing meets a Star Destroyer. Yeah. And, you know, spend quality time with Obi-Wan and Attack of the Clones flying around in it. Beautiful to me. Beautiful with uh, with R4 in there, right? Or, yeah, R4P17. R- R- All right. Oh, man, you're going to win some trivia. <laughs> that's your number three? That is my number three. It's a tie, and you mentioned it. But mine is, my number three, is Darth Vader's TIE Advance. 
Yes. I uh, I went with more general overall, and then I saw you were going a little more specific. You know, and both count, both work yeah. because that that that's what Star Wars is about. Um, the the models, <laughs> and then also the individuals, uh, the individual ships. You know, a blockade runner or the Tanta V four. It's it's all the same. Uh, so, uh, Vader tie advance. Uh, it was just one of those things, you know, I love, like, I love that Kylo Ren now has the silencer, which is, and that again, makes sense. And is part of what is cool about being a star Wars fan. You know, we can talk about you and I can talk about these big themes and the force and what it means and resistance and this, but also it's about cool ships. Yeah. (laughs) And Vader's tie advance, uh, which I just grew up calling it Vader's tie fighter. Yeah. Um, it was definitely one of those I loved. It made sense that. It made sense that uh, Darth's got his own. He's got he. I imagine he went in there one day. It was like Emperor. I want my own. I can't fly these. Uh, I had Jedi starfighters back in the day. Okay, Darth, make your own ship. <laughs> so I just always kind of imagine that, and it just had a great design, classic design. Um, and uh, in, in comparison to the regular ties, which are good, but this one just it's like oh, this guy means business. And then when you learn more. Uh, and this ties to the prequels as well. But when you learn more about Anakin and and you get to see him in action, it would makes it just continues to make sense that he'd have his own tie advanced. I agree. It's just aesthetically cool as hell and a great tie to the prequels. One of the things that really did bring out yeah. the like, oh, he's always been a mechanic and he likes to tinker. And he's like, yeah. no, I I will make this awesome <laughs> ship. <laughs> and I like the imagining Vader using the word awesome. Awesome. My ship would be awesome. Well, now I say I can imagine him in his castle, Mustafar, just pouring over designs, <laughs> like just drawing, like, like uh, you know, Vinay's talking to him, <laughs> and he's, like, not even listening. So, uh, are you listening? He's just sketching out yeah. TIE Advanced designs He's on figuring notebook. out some shielding for his <laughs> TIE Fighter. <laughs> I love that. So that's yeah. my number three, Vader's TIE Advanced. Your number two. My number two is going back to the prequels. I didn't mean to so much, but I did, because there's a lot of great designs. It is the Republic Attack gunship. Oh, yeah. Because I also wanted something that is a ship, but it's terrestrial. It's, uh, you know, atmosphere bound. Right. Can't go into space with a Republic Attack gunship. Uh, You got to, you know, be uh, closer to the ground there. Yeah. Um, Of course, they also were introduced in Attack the Clones, and there's so many things I love about them. They seem like they have a similar emotional relationship to the U-Wing that we talked about. Yes. Of that troop transport element. Yep. But a couple of things I love about their design is the uh, weird little bubble floating gun turrets, right? For the clones to sit in. That's just a cool design. Uh, I think the fact that they're just wide open. Mm Mm-hmm. That suggests a brutality of like, well, the Jedi can mostly handle it. But what what happens right away in Attack of the Clones? Padme falls Padme out falls. right away. You see the pros, you see the yeah. cons, because yep. the troopers pull out, uh, pour out of it uh, in the Geonosian arena. But what do you know? Padme falls out. It starts a fight. Yep. But again, great design, great energy. Uh, and the as you get to see them more, I love the personalized designs. I love that we see that the clones mm, yeah, yeah. start painting on them. And gets back to that World War II vibe yeah. of we're going to really personalize these and paint weird little faces on them. So they, they just fit in a pocket that we don't see as much. We got land ships. Yeah. We got, you know, atmos- or spaceships, spaceships. But kind of atmosphere troop transports. Yeah. They're unique. These gunships, they're, they're great. I'm, I'm glad you put that on there. And, and I think it deserves to be that high because it is... 
Um, a great design, very Star Wars-like design. It's reminiscent of the B-52 type of feel to it, but yeah. also harkens uh, back to the like the Hueys in, in Vietnam. Uh, and again, you know, Lucas looks to those type of things. So I could see the influence in them. And uh, I, I, I love Attack of the Clones. Of all the prequels, believe it or not, that's one I might have the most disappointment in, um, even over Menace. But uh, I love a lot of the shots and the sequences towards the end, yeah. particularly. And those little zoom-ins on, on the, the gunships as they're in action. The sounds, yeah. that shot where they, the camera kind of follows one as it loads up and turns. And, and, the, and the weapon loads right in front of it. It's like... And like yeah. Great sounds to the ship. And uh, it's something different, something we hadn't really seen up until Yeah. Yeah, I also love it for its opening scene there where you first get to see it and Yoda gives the command of uh, around the survivors perimeter crate. <laughs> In my mind, I always just want the troopers to go, sorry, sir, we didn't understand that. What do you, what do you want us to do? <laughs> Can you just say it in simpler terms? <laughs> yeah, good choice, good choice. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique, and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Number two, Republic gunships. My number two is speeder bikes. Yeah. <laughs> no secret. If you listen long enough, I love the biker scouts. Uh, there's something about it. I just like the uh, the, the different kind of uh, you know subgroup of stormtroopers there, specialty group, and speeder bikes. Speeder bikes. I have been fascinated with since 1983. I may have told the story on Spotlight Star Wars and other places, but uh, bear bear uh, bear with me on this one here. In my backyard, growing up during uh, the 80s, moved away from this house in like 88, 89. So my Real those childhood years, Joseph. Yeah. When we were playing in the backyard. Yeah, um, I had we had a, a weird palm tree kind of thing in our backyard, and two of the palm trees, the branches angled off to the point where I could <laughs> I could ride them. I could get on these palm trees. You could mount them. I could mount the palm trees. He said aloud <laughs> uh, into a microphone forever. And what did I do with those? I would get on and I was pretend I was on a speeder bike. Amazing. So imagine little eight, nine-year-old Kenny Knapsack in his green Return of the Jedi shirt in the backyard after school, making speeder bike sounds, falling off of it because I had uh, some brush underneath me. There's just something, the speed, the whole sequence, the look, the design, uh, as Jedi shows up, uh, as Return of the Jedi shows up and hits screens, um, it introduced so many different vehicles. Yeah. And Empire did too, to be clear. But... And Jedi just seemed like they were like, let's design some really cool stuff. Yeah. And the Imperial Army kind of expanded. And while speeder bikes we know and different versions of them exist in now Rebels, and we saw some in the, in the prequels, Anakin's riding one. You got the swoop bike. Uh, the swoop yeah. bike type the thing. Sith speeder, yeah. Sith speeder, yeah. Let's not forget Maul's Sith speeder. Um, yeah, all right, so there's some before. But in my mind, it was like the, the Empire was like, man, we could have used some speeder bikes at Hoth. Let's, let's add these to the <laughs> list. And I know that's not the case, but so I just love it. And it's something about the speed. I'm fascinated with that sequence and the sleek design. And, I mean, there's, there's a Black Series one behind you on a shelf, Joseph, and I got two of the mid-'90s Power of the Force ones uh, yeah. uh, I need to display as well. They just don't display as well. They fall over more. Um, so my number two is the speeder bikes. A great one. And you know a thing that we're not mentioning as much is the sounds. And yes. both the gunship and the speeder bike distinctive emotional sounds that match the thing. Yeah. I just watched an episode of Rebels today with a classic speeder bike in it, yeah. and you heard that whine yeah. pulled exactly from Return of the Jedi, and it's powerful. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, in fact, I remember the first episode of Rebels, they had the TIE Fighter sound, and they yeah. had, they had the, the, those versions of the speeders, a, speeder, a little different speeder bike, but they had those sounds. And I remember I was watching with Mon Garrett, and we were sitting there, we're like, oh, the sound, they got it, they the got sound, it. The sound, that They're high-pitched pitched wine. Yeah. yeah. So Beautiful. Absolutely. That's my number two. So we've reached number one, which means we slip, uh, flip and go to my number one, so my guests can close. My number one should be as no surprise to longtime Force Center listeners. It is the workhorse of the Rebel Fleet, the Y-Wing. Nice. The Y-Wing came to my heart, simply put. I mentioned I didn't have a lot of vehicles growing up, couldn't save my allowance. Lower middle class family, woe is me, I know. Tough life. But I did one Christmas in 1883. Yep. I saw 1983. the photo. 1983. <laughs> right? I think you said 1883. 18, You're not that old. 1883. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption. No, uh, yeah, nice. So 1983 Christmas, that would make sense. Nice. Um, I got me a Y-Wing. Oh. And sadly, 
just I moved in this what apartment three months ago. Finally had to throw away that Y wing. What happened to it? It was so broken and battered that it made me sad. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you didn't have Quarry to patch it yes, up. Yes, yeah. Quarry was not there to patch it up. So sadly, and that Y wing did make an appearance on Jedi Alliance. So I was like, you know, oh, good. it's in the memory banks. It's there forever. I had to toss it. It was very hard. It was like tossing away your stuffed animals when you're a kid. When you're like, oh, we're done with these. I've grown up. Yeah, uh, I haven't grown up though. I'm gonna get me a good Y wing. <laughs> but anyways, the Y wing. Um, the X-Wings are cool. They're sleek. We're, uh, th- I love X-Wings. But for, I was drawn to the idea of this bomber, this heavy-duty yeah. ship, and that, again, the Rebels had choices in how they attacked things. And the, the, the Y-Wing has its own kind of legend. It's like a, a, there was a time where I think it was the forgotten ship. Absolutely. It's no longer that. And uh, Y-Wings are, you know, feature prominently in Rogue One, in Rebels. Uh, Hera uh, flew one. Chopper was in the one. Like, uh, the Y-Wing. Uh, are important and people get their purpose, but I, I just consider them the workhorse. They did the heavy bomb and the heavy lifting, while the Flyboys, the Aces over in Red in the Red Squadron, got more of the uh, got more of the accolades. Gold Squadron yeah. came in and really, really uh, went to town. And I, I just love the Y Wings. They are my favorite ship in Star Wars. I think well argued. They got their bombs. They got their big shields. They got yeah. their ion charges. All better. All than better. a lot of the other ships. And I would have loved to have seen kind of there's that was that there's different versions of the Y Wing that we might have seen in the prequels that didn't come to pass. Mm-hmm. And maybe a more uh, what what the U Wing is now, we're gonna maybe see some of those versions, like a Y Wing version, a little bigger one. Yeah. But I'm happy that the Y Wing is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great choice. My number one choice Here we go. is the X-Wing. There we I go. had to do it. I had to do it because... It's hard not to. You know, just like you, I'm going to go back to the toys. Yes. There is, uh, for all of these ships, there's an affinity to whose ship is it? Mm-hmm. Does it match who they are? Does it match what they're trying to do? Yeah. And X-Wings captured that spirit of the lone pilot who can be alone and fly off and follow their own destiny or can be a part of a team. Yet there's always some duality because they've always got their trusty astromech droid. Yep. And all of that, I I couldn't uh, verbalize it, but when I was a kid, all of that spoke to me because Luke had an X-Wing. It was a part of him. Yeah. And I so, so wanted everything Luke-based toy-wise. And uh, one birthday... I don't. My dad must have got a bonus because I was also a, a low to middle income at best. Uh, but I got the Dagobah playset, and oh. at that point, you couldn't find a normal X-wing. You could only find battle damaged X-wing. Oh, that's right. Which had little stickers that you applied. Crooked for me, but yeah, I didn't apply them well either because I was so <laughs> excited, uh, and I felt complete. Uh, I made that joke earlier, but I did uh, anyway. The um, Mm-hmm. The battle damage felt like, oh, yeah, like it's been through a lot. It's yeah. so cool. Uh, so I have that emotional connection to them. But more than anything, I feel like I hear your argument about the Y-Wings. They, yeah. they are more trustworthy. They got better shields. Yeah. But the X-Wing feels like I got a little bit of flash. Yeah. But I'm still there for you. I'm reliable. <laughs> like X-Wing will show up to help move your couch. <laughs> and it will look kind of sexy doing yeah. it. And all your friends will go like, Damn. Damn. That's a good friend. They're sexy but reliable. Yeah. Like if Poe Dameron was a ship. Yeah. If he was a Transformer, he would turn into an X-Wing, oh, right? Totally. I mean, there's just something about them that's just... And I think the reason that they have sustained one of the reasons for Star Wars' initial popularity is, like you said earlier, 
Star Wars is about a lot of things, about yeah. deep themes and ideas, but it's also about just looking cool. Yeah. And X-Wings look cool. There, There's no doubt about it. And I, I would, uh, I'd almost be disappointed if you didn't choose this as your number one. Uh, uh, the Y-Wing is the workhorse, but the X-Wing... Uh, is the top dog for a reason. Yeah. You know, it's a, there's a reason the resistance is like, let's just slightly change the model. Yeah. Let's keep it the same. Because there's nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong They are wrong the classic single person and a droid fighter. Absolutely. And there's, like you said, the personality definitely seemed... Uh, of Luke's sh- ship, like, yeah. uh, of his mind and body. It was an extension of it. It's, you forget that there was other ones, but it was just like Luke and his X-Wing, man. Yeah. They're connected. And uh, I, I love the design. And, yeah, I think um, it's a classic design that was reminiscent, again, of, like, say, an F-16 fighter. Yeah. So in 1977, you could you could see it on the screen and go, oh, I know what that is, but it looks like it's different. It's space-like. Yeah. Um, and it, it inspired some other great ships, the Battlestar Galactica ships, you know, definitely X-Wing influenced, I think. Um, so, yeah, the X-Wing is, is iconic. If the Millennium Falcon's on the Hall of Fame— First ballot, the X-Wing's going to get there real quick because it is Star Wars. Absolutely. Well, guys, that is our main list. We do some quick honorable mentions we want to talk about here. Uh, I'll toss them out here and let you close with yours, Joseph. Uh, some other ones that I considered was uh, Padme's uh, personal ship, the the chrome-plated uh, Nubian cruiser. Uh, the one, particularly the one from Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Uh, I love the sounds. I love I love the Naboo starfighters. Naboo's got a great old kind of design, a 1950s yeah. design to it. And there was just something about that ship I liked. Um, the tie interceptor. Yeah. Uh, there was something cool about that. It was like, oh, hey, Darth, you've got a good one. Do you mind if we kind of copy that but make it our own? <laughs> and a recent episode of Rebels showed that that definitely proved, I think we already kind of knew it, but it definitely proved that the interceptors existed before A New Hope. Yeah. Which maybe question, all right, well, maybe right. they just didn't fit on the Death Star. Uh, I also <laughs> love uh, specifically the shuttle Tidarium, but yeah. all Lambda class. Imperial ships, just that design, the wing, the bird-like thing. It's just something so different. It's so beautiful. I love even Krennic's different kind of slightly different version, uh, but that works. And then the final one for me uh, is uh, is well, I could have I could have like, profundity could have been in there, and oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. But Akbar's home one, the big ship. Uh, I love it because when when it shows up there and you got the rebel ragtag rebel fleet, you got this big flying pickle versus <laughs> the sleek Imperial Star Destroyers. That is other rebellion to me, and I love that shit. Yeah, yeah. And then in canon, we got to learn that it's humid on there, right? Yes, yeah. very humid. That it could have been called Humid One. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, so for my honorable mentions, I went with Gauntlet Fighter, and I had to look that up because I knew what I was looking for, but I had to track it down because they have a bunch of individual examples. Gauntlet Fighter is the general style of Mandalorian ships. So yes. we have seen them in the Clone Wars animated series, and we've seen them recently in Rebels. They're the ships. They, mm. they, they got that same wedge energy yep. of a lot of ships in Star Wars, the Jedi Starfighter and yep. Star Destroyer. Uh, but then they turn up their big, sharp wings when right. they land, and it's got this great feel. Uh, Darth Maul used one a bunch in yep. Clone Wars that he stole from Mandalore, and then all these great Mandalorian episodes and Rebels have featured them. It's just a great design. Right. Uh, for new ties, for different ties, the TIE Striker. Hmm. Again, something that was uh, designed for Rogue One mm-hmm. that was evocative and fit into the original uh, uh, trilogy era. Yeah. I just like it because Striker sounds cool and it looks like a bat. It does. And I like the general logic that they're uh, atmosphere-based. Yeah. 
So their solar panels are just facing up yeah. where the sun is. <laughs> That's all we need. It all works. So uh, in my final honorable mention, because I knew in my heart of hearts that you would include a speeder bike. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to include a different speeder bike, which is Ray's speeder bike. Oh, yeah. So many different cool speeder bikes. That was one of the first designs where I saw, like, I trust The Force Awakens. I trust yes. Disney. I trust this new version of Lucasfilm. I know some people just think it looks like a big, you know, uh, lollipop sucker yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Ice cream bar. Yeah. Ice cream bar. Yeah, but I just love how chunky it is because yeah. things in Star Wars should be chunky and used and it looks put together, but it's still sleek and has got energy and movement. I, I love Ray Speeder. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You said it the best. Uh, it, when I saw the design, I felt like, okay, they understand. Yeah. I get it. A desert planet. I don't even know anything about that planet. It might even be Tatooine at the time. I was like, "What's Jakku?" Yeah, uh, but it felt like it felt like that magical phrase. That's Star Wars. Yes, absolutely. Great choices. Uh, As always, Joseph, thank you so much. You guys know what you do out there. If you want to join this conversation, use the hashtag SWRanked and let us know what your favorite vehicles are. If you got some toys, um, take some pictures and send them in. We love that as well. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Like the Facebook page. Don't forget, we are on Patreon as well. Check out the new goals on there. We got some good stuff coming up. So go to patreon.com slash Force Center T Public. T shirts are out there. Joseph, thanks so much as always for joining star wars ranked you can be followed at joseph scrimshaw that's right you can find me on twitter and instagram and all the other social media and if you're interested in shows you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com absolutely you guys follow me at cadnapsuck check out my show on anchor called daily thrones talking game of thrones there that's it for now star wars has been ranked ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.